Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Alt Kings podcast. I'm your host, Tate, with my co-host, Corbin, and today we have a one-of-a-kind guest on. Her name is Mei Chan, and she is the CEO of Hashpack Wallet. It is a true honor to host you today because everything that you've done with the Hedera ecosystem and just the development of Hashpack Wallet itself has been very vital towards the development of Hedera's NFT ecosystem. And I just want to say thank you once again for everything. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's It's been a really wild ride this year, so happy to be here to talk about that. Great. Absolutely. Great. So let me start off with the first question, and just very simple, very unique. What is your favorite NFT project on Hedera? You can name one, you can name two, just what are some of the ones that have been really eye-opening to you with what they're building? Uh, I think I have to give it to you, Dead Pixels. Nice. Uh, they're their, their ghosts are just very cute, and I managed to get a very simple one but that, that I, I really liked. So um, that's definitely one of my favorite. I have a lot of friends in the NFT space in Hedera, so it'd be bad for me to start listing off a whole bunch and then leaving some out. So I'll just stick with dead pixels for that. <laughs> that's amazing. Love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you guys came right after... The you guys released right after the uh, the sort of dark winter, so to speak, in Hedera after an exact, unfortunately, was kind of kind of had to ramp down. So did you guys begin production of the wallet before or after uh, that that occurred? We began it in like around May of last year. So in the summer. Sure. Um, and we basically like there's a, we have a team of four co-founders and we worked in our spare time to build up this wallet. We actually didn't originally have an NFT gallery as one of our MVP items. Um, so when we launched in October, we just had HBAR basically and no NFTs, no tokens or anything like that. That didn't actually exist really on the Hedera network. There was Exact Wallet that had NFTs. There was one marketplace, which I think was GoMint at the time. Yep. Um, and, and there were just like a bunch of NFT projects that were just selling like on their websites, but not really a, an actual uh, active marketplace. Um, so we launched in October. And if I'm honest, I was actually not super keen on going into NFTs right away. I wanted to do tokens. Yes. Uh, but our CTO, Pluto, um, he was like, I'm just going to whip up a gallery in like five minutes. So over the weekend, he like launched a gallery and that became the next feature in Hashpack. Um, and and then, well, we, we went from there. It was crazy. Um, we, we went out with uh, the NFT gallery and also secure trade, which lets people trade peer to peer as an atomic trade. So you don't have to trust your buyer or seller. Um, and then we also launched Hash Connect, which is our like Wallet Connect kind of version on Hedera. Um, and so like in in January, we had like one marketplace or maybe two. I think Hash Access also existed back then. Uh, and then by like two months later in March, we had like four. So it was, it was kind of crazy. And actually the biggest marketplace on, on Hedera right now, Zeus Marketplace, was really funny because um, they just appeared out of nowhere. Just one day they launched on Twitter and they said, hey, we're live and we support Hashpack. And and it, it just worked. It was, it was really crazy. Yeah. It just connected they didn't say perfectly. hi or anything. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So cool. 
doing my research, I've seen that you have 10 years of experience in electrical engineering. And I'm just really curious about how that transition went from being an engineer to now the face of one of the biggest wallets on Hedera's network. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's a very different world that I'm in. I would say the the difference between being an electrical engineer and being the CEO of, of a software company is that um, I don't actually have to make things. That's the job of my developers or that's the job of my uh, designers or, or, or marketing. Um, the thing that, that really transferred over was the client relationships because I was a consulting engineer. So a lot of the things that I did was dealing with architects, dealing with developers, managing that personal relationship. So that's really where I fell into. And, uh, and then it just kind of went over into the public sector too. When I started talking on podcasts and stuff like that, I actually used to do a little bit of Twitch streaming back in the day. I played some league of legends. So um, being on camera, wasn't a little bit, wasn't, wasn't too much of a, a stretch, although um, I didn't have any sort of success in that at all. It was just for fun. But um, that was that was kind of why I, I think I went into this sort of role as like the spokesperson and as the sort of business relationship part of the team. Nice. That's great. Cool. Yeah, I think that could uh, definitely lend you some skills that could be transposed into into what you're doing today. Most yeah. definitely. I guess. I guess another thing too is like our whole team is full of professionals and uh, we all have like a decade of experience or more. And like uh, Pluto has worked in like banks and enterprises and our security wow. guy does like enterprise grade security. Um, it's, it's really crazy what kind of team we have here. And I would say like this, the engineering background that I have too also lends into our approach, which has always been very like, robust and scalable and like making sure we're doing things the right way because engineering is a lot about covering your liabilities and making sure that you're doing things responsibly. So I think that that's kind of given us a lot of uh, good foundations to build a successful product that, you know, performs as it should and keeps people safe. So for sure. How big is the team now by chance? I know at one point it was like only two, three people. We had two people full time in February and then the other two were we're part-time. So now we've got um, four people full-time and then one person part-time. So we, we actually hired a, a new uh, director of operations uh, in October and he does the marketing side and also like our finances and accounting. So that's that's our team, five people. Still pretty small, still pretty cozy. Do you think you need more yeah. people part of the team? We are probably slowly going to build out but sure. um our like our dev side we're really particular so it, it it's uh it's hard to find the talent um yeah. that also can meme as well as they can code uh <laughs> the the company culture is actually pretty pretty fun where we we definitely get into the like twitter memes and and all of the drama there well we we watch it um we try not to get our our hands into it but um Slowly, I think the team will grow. Uh, we're we're going to do it in a hopefully methodical way so that we don't just grow too fast. Like we want to make sure like Hashpack always remains very tightly focused and very easy to yeah. use. We don't want to have like a kind of a bloated wallet that becomes really difficult to do what you want to do. So, yeah. That makes sense. True. 
Yeah, it does make sense. Now, how how difficult was the development of a software wallet using, you know, HBAR's protocol in just in general? I would say that it was actually very easy. Um, well, I'm not a programmer. Uh, I I didn't. I've only like uh, messed around with like Unity or Unreal Engine or whatever like that. Did did some some coding on the side. And before we even started Hashpack, I did some like little scripts that was basically a software wallet, uh, but on command line. Um, and I like as an amateur, I was able to do it myself, right? Um, it wasn't anything professional. It, it it didn't really have like the security features, but it was like something that I, I managed to do. So I think that Hedera is a very easy platform to build on. Uh, I definitely tried to get into Solidity and smart contract coding and stuff like that uh, during my like hobby time. And that was always a mess. Like I, I really couldn't wrap my head around it. So I'm you know, uh, for someone like me who isn't a professional, who who just does things for fun and able to do something on, on Hashgraph just by fooling around, I think that that really shows how easy it is. Um, as for how hard it was to make the wallet, uh, we have a superstar team at Hashpack, so we were able to do a lot of things very fast. And I think it's purely on the skill of uh, Pluto and Arth, who are, um, who are our two developers. So... Like, yeah, but also just what I've heard in the community, like the fact that the the, the SDK is in JavaScript is makes it really easy to develop on, on the platform. Without sure. a doubt. Most definitely. Yeah. JavaScript one is one of the most the easiest yeah. scripts to use. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> cool. One of my favorite things about the Hashpack wallet is actually how anytime you want to receive an NFT, you have to associate the, the token with it. And that really stops a lot of these spam NFTs coming to your wallet. And I mean, whenever I was on Ethereum at one point, I, all I just remember is creating my wallet and then getting sent like two random NFTs. I don't even know how, just because I connected it to a platform. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it, it really is like a, a, a wild west out there. Um, yeah. And having spam in your wallet just kind of feels a bit invasive. Yes. Um, but this is actually a feature of Hedera where you actually do have to associate tokens and NFTs in order for them to appear in your wallet, um, which I think is a little bit of like a, a blessing and also a curse because a lot of people coming into Hedera, uh, there are like developers and stuff, they get confused on how to manage the user experience. Because if you're just like a, a project that wants to airdrop somebody, uh, you can't just get their address and then send it. They have to actually do something. They have to associate it. Uh, so there's like a security feature to that, but there's also um, just sort of a usability kind of friction point there. Uh, but I think that it's, overall it's really good because we've already seen like um, some scams come out on Hedera which have uh, worried people. So most recently there's been someone sending um, HBAR to people and they send like 0.002 HBAR, but it triggers the staking reward of that account. So it's, it looks like you're getting like 100 HBAR or something, whatever was pending in your staking thing. And then in the memo of that note, it says, go to airdrop.com or whatever it is to collect your airdrop. And people are coming in and they're like, well, what the heck is this? They're, they're confused. Yeah. Um, and some people even go to that website and then they get redirected to a scam version of my HBAR wallet. 
uh, which, and then that, that site prompts them to enter their private key and then they lose their, their HBAR. Fortunately, I think not a lot of people have been affected by that, but I guess the takeaway here is don't follow strange links that appear in your, uh, in your wallet and don't enter your private key into, uh, a website. Um, and so hopefully, you know, now that we have the Android app out and also the iOS app is in beta for Hashpack, hopefully you'll just be able to get it from the store and you uh, can keep yourself safe that way too. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it's Even always with... like a sliding scale to, yeah. to handle scams. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the iOS app in beta, I mean, I had no problem setting up just the iOS, like the website app, basically with mm-hmm. Apple. And that was very seamless and very easy to operate with. And it's like yeah. just that being a possibility out there is just very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a PWA kind of version. We have like a blog post that shows how to set up the, the uh, hash pack wallet, like in your Chrome browser, but as a, like a link onto your phone. So you can just tap it on your home screen, which is called a PWA app. Um, I'm not gotcha. ex- actually sure what that stands for, but it looks like an app when you set it up that way on your phone, uh, which is good. And one of the interesting things is that I know that there are some projects that are building their app purely as PWA so that they stay out of the Apple store because Apple is being very restrictive in what it allows and doesn't allow with NFTs. And that is one of the reasons why our app is uh, being delayed for iOS is because uh, you can't link to a marketplace from within the the app, and you can't do anything that's like sending an NFT because you Apple wants a cut of the gas fees or something like that. It seems very strange the way that they've go, gone about it. What yeah, gas that, fees, though? You know. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah that stemmed from um, Coinbase. They they had said to Coinbase, "Hey, we want thirty percent." of the gas fees from each transaction or else we're going to remove insane. your app from the app store or else you can't just send NFTs or something like that. That's right. Yeah. My like, guys, stop. That's, That's gross. Disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that they get away with it for regular apps. Like if you're, um, I don't know, you have a game and you sell a little skin in the game and then Apple takes a cut. I think that, kind of like, okay, if you want to do it that way, that makes sense. But if you're talking about wallets like Hashpack Wallet or Coinbase Wallet or something, the wallets themselves aren't taking a cut of that. That's not how Web3 works. So you're trying to apply a Web2 paradigm to Web3 and it's just resulting in a lot of friction for users. Yeah, yeah. just making the overall user experience more difficult. It's, but I think that some people that I talk to are thinking that Apple is going to really get hit by like regulations and things like that because they're kind of overstepping their bounds here. So oh, yeah. we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. Maybe in a few months we'll be allowed to send NFTs and you know link to marketplaces and stuff like that. So we'll see. That'd be crazy if Apple made their own NFT marketplace. That would be crazy as long as they allow other NFT exactly. marketplaces to exist. Yeah. You know, I mean... Otherwise, we're just get getting back to like a centralized kind of yeah. scheme. Apple's, right? Apple's strategy with that though is very it's very different though because like if you if you look at what they did with the AirTags, they had right before I think it was a couple weeks before they released AirTags, they made the Find My application, which allows any Apple device to basically geo ping any other device um, to be able to update it. 
completely publicly available. They made that APK completely available to everybody. And then a week later, or a couple weeks later, they release AirTags, which is their spin on it. So then they're getting all the market share that Tile and those other market makers had in the past. Oh. So it's it's kind of it's kind of divisive in the way that they go about things because they'll 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 have this good thing that they say like hey here's here's this here's this good thing we're doing for all of the developers and then they go and turn around and say hey there's this idea that somebody else has made long ago we're gonna go ahead and just right and then just <laughs> put it over here so it's it's interesting it's it's yeah not manipulative great. yeah. It's it's a very interesting. I think that like all of these big companies are trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do with yeah. NFTs, um, as and and marketplaces like LG has their own marketplace now. You can like load it up on your TV, um, so that's uh, we're we're seeing like the start of that, which is very interesting. Um, and of course, all of it is very different than the decentralized NFT marketplaces that we're seeing in Web3 because these big companies are still stuck in in a like a, a Web2 sort of methodology and mentality, right? Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of trial and error for these big tech companies to adapt to Web3 mm -hmm. capabilities. Mm-hmm. But with that just comes a strong team like Hashpack has, you know? Exactly. Well, I've got we've got a lot of like ideas going forward on how to um, how to like make NFTs on Hedera more fun, more more engaging. How to bring Web two companies into the Web three side without just it being a cash grab. Um, there's a lot of things that that I'd like to accomplish uh, strategically. Where you know there's a there's companies that want to um, tokenize, not tokenize, but like bring in loyalty cards and then you know if you buy something you get like points from that and then you can you can use those or you can combine them with your friends and then buy other things and and they're trying to figure out how how to get it to work with web3 and like these already exist sort of in web2 space where you I don't know you got your like Starbucks reward card and you can buy 10 and get one free right yeah. um, it already exists in the real world so the question is how do you make it into web3 and then how do you um, how do you take advantage of the technological benefits of Web3 and not just port it over and like it's exactly the same thing? So very, very interesting um, things that we can build. Uh, I think most importantly, what we want to do is make the Web3 space accessible to people, make it really user friendly, make it um, so that you don't maybe you don't even have to know what crypto is in order to buy an NFT. Um, and I think a lot of people are trying to solve that problem now with, uh, with like hooking up your credit card so that you can buy an NFT directly with your credit card. Um, and, uh, Reddit is a great example of like normalizing NFTs where they don't even use the word NFT on their, uh, promo. They use digital collectible as the vocabulary, right? So I think, and, and look how successful Reddit has been, even though oh, yeah. up until that point, Everybody on Reddit hated NFTs. You know, they they're just like completely uh, divisive uh, topic. But now everybody loves Reddit collectibles just because they rebranded it as something else, and they also made it so that you didn't like the collectibles themselves. To get it wasn't like you had to pay a hundred ETH or what 
yeah. whatever to, to buy it right like so it, it really yeah. tied into the the collectible aspect rather than the speculation aspect so and then another 100 ETH on top of that for gas fees right exactly that's where they get you <laughs> never gonna happen on Hedera though thank no. goodness yeah thank goodness Amen for Hedera so yeah. with the end of 22 in sight what were some of the biggest obstacles you faced with developing Hashpack over this past year Biggest obstacles. I think. I think one of the ones that is that is less relevant now, well, still somewhat relevant, is like the user base on Hedera. Back in June, we had about I think thirty thousand monthly active users over the entire Hedera network. Um, that was in the Misari report, which was uh, which talked about uh, like the current state of Hedera. And now in Hashpack alone, we're looking at 60 to 80,000 monthly active users. So we grew more than like double, almost triple the amount of active users over the, the whole year. So uh, the Hedera space is growing um, yes. and it is really fun, uh, which I think ties into the reason why it's growing. Um, but I think I think that's one of the challenges is just that nobody knew about Hedera, and now we're trying to reach out. Uh, we're trying to go into uh, spaces and podcasts that are hosted by people that are not just Hedera maxis, and and you know just tell people about Hedera just so that we raise awareness. Uh, a great one was NYC NFT NYC, yes, where Hedera bought out like huge screens in Times Square, and yeah. that was really that hype. was amazing. That and they put like, cool. yeah, all of the NFTs from the community projects, like they're just spanned them all over New York. That was really fun. And I think we saw a big uptick in, in, uh, in traffic just because of that one, one place. So I think it's, it's really good. Um, as for other growing pains, I think up until September, we were really having trouble because we didn't have a full uh, NF, or sorry, uh, DeFi ecosystem. We had the NFT marketplaces, we had NFT launch pads, we had a bridge, which was Hashport. Uh, but SaucerSwap only launched in like August, September. So we didn't have a DEX until the fall. And that also held us back a lot because people couldn't launch their own tokens and couldn't get them going. But now we have that. So I think that we're really, we're really on a good track. Um, I think that there's now like three, four DEXs on Hedera and a few more on the way that are yet to be announced, but they also look really good. Um, so it's it's kind of like crazy where where we are today versus where we are at the beginning of the year with only one NFT marketplace. Yeah. Um, and now we've got a full, a full DeFi ecosystem that is slowly building up. Uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's really fun. And I think that 2023 will still will just grow just as big as ever. And of course, that is just the retail space. We haven't heard much from the enterprise side of things, but Hedera Shtick has always been enterprise adoption. And I just like, I'm crossing my fingers because all the people that I talk to that are into the enterprise space are really excited too, because they think that those enterprise use cases are going to come out. And for people who like Hedera and who like HBAR, I think that that's a really great thing that is happening basically in parallel to what we're doing. It has nothing to do with us. They're basically two different flavors of Hedera, but we're both, both of those uh, trains are moving forward. And, and like, if, if one takes off, I think the other will take off too. So yeah. just crossing my fingers on that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I, I can't help but wonder, too, with the inter- the enterprise side of things, if, well, uh, in one of Dr. Lehman's speeches, he had talked about that he there that the Hedera Foundation is essentially creating custom dApps for all of the council members, essentially. And that was one of their like main things that they're doing. And I can't help but wonder if some of those dApps are going to trickle down to the rest of enterprise. And they're, mm. they're, they're basically using that as like sort of like a breeding ground for ideas and stuff that they can eventually bring to market for, for other companies as well. Yeah, well, I think that if you look at the things that have been built kind of in the peripheries of the Hedera ecosystem, you see a lot of open source products. Um, and I think that that's really where, that's, that's Hedera trying to show that, well, like what can be done and give people a, a foundation to build on. Um, I I think that like a lot of the, the, the projects, I don't really want to name the specific ones, but that that have been funded by Hedera or the HBAR Foundation have specifically built things so that enterprise like use cases are taken care of. And um, I think on one hand, it's kind of like weird because other DeFi ecosystems don't do that necessarily. Uh, so I think it kind of skews the development of those dApps to be less relevant to retail because they have to be more relevant to enterprise. Um, so that has kind of like skewed where where the, the funds have gone uh, because there are enterprise uh, like needs. But on the other hand, we're still getting those applications and we still have those like natural, like organic projects that are building on Hedera, like Hashpack, like SaucerSwap that um, take advantage of the technology that is being built by these, these projects. So I think, I think we're going to see a lot more innovation in 2023 as well. For example, one of the things that, um, that doesn't exist on Hedera right now is, uh, well, is full smart contract compatibility, which is something that they really focused on this year. And there's like a few more kinks to be worked out, but those are being fixed up so that like, ideally, if you're an Ethereum dApp, you can just port over to Hedera, launch it on the Ethereum layer on Hedera, and then it just works. And um, some of the projects like Hashport and like uh, HeliSwap, um, are building things specifically and working with Hedera specifically to allow that to happen. And I think that that is part of what we'll see, uh, what we're seeing like from that enterprise perspective, because they absolutely need to have that kind of cross compatibility. Yeah. And that cross compatibility is, is already nice to have for just like a token perspective, like natively in Hashpack, you can just straight up wrap Ethereum or Quant or like, a lot of other ERC tokens. Does it does it support all ERC twenty tokens, or is it sort of, you know, it's a little bit <laughs> it's a little bit tricky because you can make an ERC token on Hedera and link it up with HTS, mm-hmm. which is the Hedera token service, um, and then it works in Hashpack natively. However, you could also just straight up launch an ERC twenty or ERC seven twenty token. Or there's another one that I can't remember off the top of my head, but there are, there are these protocols that are pure Ethereum, and those just live on the Ethereum layer and don't touch HTS. And I believe like the liquidity tokens on HeliSwap are like that. And when you use a pure liquid uh, a pure ERC token on Hedera, currently I don't think there are any wallets that support those. You have like if you're in 
if you're in MetaMask or something, you have to import that token into your wallet, right? Which basically means that you have to query that smart contract and then let your wallet know that you've got a token in that smart contract and the smart contract manages the token as opposed to Hedera where the platform itself manages the token. So this is one of the things that's on our list to do, but we're waiting for, uh, to see if any products actually release like a ERC 20 token, because right now HTS has a lot of advantages and it's also cheaper and it's faster than launching on the, like purely on the Ethereum layer. So, Currently, the technical answer is if you're launching an ERC-20 token or EC-720 token or something that isn't connected to HTS, it doesn't show up in the wallets on Hedera. Um, But it could in the future if there was a project that really needed it. And then if that's the case, reach out to us because we're waiting for it, basically. (laughs) Cool. That is for all Hedera projects out there. Yeah. (laughs) But I I think that there's like just straight up benefits to using HTS that you don't really need to have an ERC token. Um, And I think that a lot of the projects that move over from uh, Ethereum or Solana or Avalanche or whatever, rather than do the thing where they port the token, uh, port the code over and, and don't do anything with it, they actually take the time to migrate over to HTS and see the advantages of that. So I think, um, I'm not sure if we'll ever see like pure ERC tokens on Hedera and, uh, but maybe, maybe one day. And honestly, like, I I think that it, it doesn't really matter. Like if, if it gets popular or not, um, we'll just support it and everybody like, hopefully one day you won't even have to know whether it is an ERC 20 or, or, uh, HTS or even like Solana token. Maybe there's one day where, you can just view all of your NFTs, no matter what the chain is. You don't even know which chain it's on. That could also be a thing too. Yeah. With because uh, there's there's like a growing focus on cross chain support, um, to the point that like maybe you just don't care which chain it is on. And then I think if that's the case, then everyone builds on Hedera because it's the cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> it makes the most sense. Yeah. Mm. How do you and how do you think? Oh, you you can finish, Corbin. Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. Sorry. How do you think like the best way will be for Ethereum projects and other altcoins, say like Solana, are is going to be like the best for onboarding to Hedera? Like, what do you think the best ways of onboarding could possibly be? I think that I think that you just have to get involved in the community. We've yeah. got a really good community here on Hedera. Really good. Um, get in, yeah. Get involved in the spaces. Talk to people. Um, I think that. Uh, Hedera people are so used to being like really involved in the projects that when a project comes in and is kind of quiet, then it seems strange. Whereas like on other chains, that's just normal. Uh, yeah. So Hedera people, I think, have a bit to learn in terms of like worldliness and 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 maintain that welcoming quality, even if like there are people from other chains coming in that are maybe a bit shy. But people coming in. Uh, I definitely encourage just become part of the community, talk to people, figure out what's going on, reach out to the projects. I think that the projects that are building on Hedera are very welcoming and very uh, helpful, Um, especially if you're like going to launch on uh, one of our launch pads with your NFT projects, like just get a a line directly to the the dev team at Zeus or Hash Tools or Hash Axis or um, NFT or whatever, like Turtle Moon Tools. There's a lot of them out there now. Um, if you're building a DAP, then you want to get uh, hooked up with 
uh, the wallets here, like just reach out to Hashpack, right? Like it's, it's easy. Um, and we make a really big point of trying to make it as easy as possible to move on to the network. Uh, actually, I'll shill our website here. We have a community site on uh, hashpack.app slash community. And that is a site, a page that we built that highlights all of the big projects on Hedera, um, all the marketplace, all the DEXs, all of the, well, not all of the NFT projects. There's a lot of them, but we've added a, a bunch of them and we hope to add more. Um, and basically it's like a one glance look at the Hedera ecosystem that new people coming in can see like exactly what's there, what kind of games are on the ecosystem, you know, what people are doing. So I hope that like, yeah, that's probably my message. If you're just coming in from a different chain, like get Go involved. Check that in, out. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's clever. And I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of anything like that for any other other chains out there. I mean, I, I really feel like really if you look at Solana or like Ethereum, they're really just congested with just so many projects being developed and stuff and just so much out there, but it's also so much unknown out there that not mm -hmm. a lot of people really can find unless they truly dive deep into it, just the whole entire ecosystem. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I was like having trouble with is like I downloaded Phantom Wallet and I was like, uh, well, let's get involved in Solana. And then I opened up the wallet and I looked at it and it was empty because I didn't have anything. And I was like, okay, uh, now what? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like I, I looked on some marketplaces. I don't know which projects are good. Um, it was very confusing. So like this community site that we built on Hashpack, I think that that's one of the ways that we can help new users. We also have the DAP browser now where you go directly in the wallet, you can connect to the marketplaces or you can connect to hashcraft.name and buy a domain name or something like that um, directly inside of the wallet. And it connects you uh, with a with a click and you're just there, you're, you're interacting with the ecosystem. Uh, so hopefully we'll continue to build things out that will make it easy for users to get into Hedera. Cause I think that that was one of like my big confusing points with some of these ecosystems is you kind of download the wallet and then you look around and you're kind of lost. Yeah. All you see is the top leaderboards of all the projects who've already sold out or just continue to yeah, get Yeah. That volume. was one of the things too. That's yeah. All you see. I was like looking. Yeah. I, I want to buy this thing. It sold out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I want to look at this one. Oh, it's like eight F or eight ETH. I can't afford eight ETH, you know? It's, <laughs> so it's no good. It's like setting a new baseline with Hedera. Instead of you paying $8,000 for an NFT, you pay 50 bucks. 50 bucks. bucks. Even, yeah. Even I for think. the blue chips, like a couple hundred. Yeah. And, and then once you buy the, at the mint, then it kind of, the, the numbers jump up. Yeah. Um, there, there's this, uh, there's a site. I'm going to show them, even though they're not live. Uh, there's a site called NFT that has a analytics page that they're building out. It's currently in alpha, I think, so it's closed. But maybe you can go check them out and give them a, a nudge. But uh, they've got like a thing where you can see all of the trades being done on Hedera, the volume, the number of buyers versus holders. And uh, it looks like Hedera, like people are making money. Like it, there's profit in NFTs. People aren't just losing money yeah. um, in the marketplaces. And I think that that's just like, that's kind of why people are, are excited about Hedera is that the NFT ecosystem is really vibrant right now, despite all of the stuff that's been going on this year in, in other NFT ecosystems, yeah. um, Hedera has kind of like risen, you know, risen from the ashes. 
that comes down to like <laughs> supply and demand at that point. I mean, there's little supply out there and a lot more demand that continues to increase, which therefore more people want to invest their money into Hedera and the NFT projects that out there. And it'll just help the floor prices rise. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really like, like you mentioned about NFT, I mean, I really love how you're able to see just anything and everything to do with each individual project with like rarities and things of that sort. And I, I'm going to show our own project. We'll be actually working with NFT to uh, oh, nice. release our own NFT project. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I heard that they're the, the founder is a really great guy. Uh, works really hard. The site looks really, really chill. So I really chill, really, <laughs> really great. So like, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm going to be looking out for it. Love to hear it. We'll get you a crown. Love to hear it. Yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, their their app works really good too. It can uh, it can help see your your total portfolio value. Unless you know you're like me and half of your wallet is not on a one token ID system since it's all so old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, Corbin's been here very long, very long. I remember just when we used to work together, he'd always just come into work telling me all these new NFT pro- NFTs he's invested into and stuff. But the way he's been trading these NFTs was through Discord. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it used to be. Yep. It's that whole family aspect that uh, that Hedera continues to just sort of hang on to. And it's really, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. So we're one big community. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that I, I really... I, when I when I talk on these spaces, like I really want to stress to like keep that community because yeah. I think it makes us very unique among yeah. crypto um, and very welcoming and fun to be with. You know, uh, that that's definitely one of the highlights of the Hedera ecosystem for me is just how close everybody is and and like all the collaborations and everything like that are great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a new project drops and then you hop in and then like 20 of your other friends from the ecosystem just all suddenly hop in at the same time for some apparent reason. And you just have this giant party. It's <laughs> I, I never see that with any other ecosystem. It's crazy. So yeah. maybe XRP a little bit, but it's yeah. uh, still developing. Yeah. Lots of being developed. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, development, I was kind of curious if you guys were going to be doing a system sort of like Zum, which is the, the the main XRP software wallet of where they have a feature that has like a, it's almost like a pro mode, so to speak. So essentially you would pay like a very small monthly fee and that kind of helps with the development costs because obviously software development is very expensive. Right. <laughs> um, so essentially it would, you know, help the developers and then you get extra features on the back end for, for other cool dApps and stuff that they might develop in the future. You guys mm. have any sort of plans to maybe do something like that? Or We've, we've talked about like a, a Hashpack Pro kind of thing. Um, and I think in general, our team is against it. Uh, and the reason is that we, we don't want to lock out users from, from, functionality in the ecosystem. We want to make sure people can access it all equally. And also we think that there are ways that we can generate revenue that are more inclusive than exclusive. Um, one of the things, for example, is secure trade, which has been really great, um, where it's just a service that people can use or they don't have to use it. You could just send your NFT to someone and then have them send back the, the H bar for it if you want. Um, or you could trade your NFT for 
uh, for HBAR, and then we take a small commission on top of that, and then you have the security of that trade. And one of the things we're going to do is have like a version two of it that we're going to release as soon as we uh, have some time um, to develop it. And that can be then, you can then trade NFT for NFT or NFT for tokens or any combination of that. And then we'll figure out some way to like put like a, a small like six H bar fee or, or something small like that uh, for like the NFT versus for NFT trades where like there is no like H bar value or something like that. But basically we want to make it so that you can easily trade uh, between between two people without having to trust the other person and get exactly what you're, what you want. Um, uh, we have a mock-up of like, like an in-game trading kind of thing. Like if you're like opening up like trade in Diablo or something like that. So it kind of looks cool. Um, hopefully we'll get that out soon. Uh, we have other things as well that we think are going to be um, able to get us funds. Like, uh, well, the in-wallet swaps is big. Um, where people are now using it a lot. And even though the market is down and all of that, but people are actually really swapping tokens and, and trying to get involved in, in Hedera DeFi. So that's also a small generator of fees. And I think that um, that's how like MetaMask makes a lot of its money is through in-wallet swaps. Uh, we're also doing some NFT collaborations and things like that, which haven't come out yet, but uh, that will be a way of like getting involved in the community building on that community aspect of it and people can join in if they want and then um, and get like a hash pack or something like that. We we're still working out the details, uh, things like that. Right. So um, rather than try to lock people into like paying a subscription or something like that, which may happen in the future, but at the moment we're trying not to build that kind of thing just because we want to keep everybody involved and, and, you know, if they want to pay for something, they can pay for it. And if not, they can still use all of what's available on Hedera. So. Makes sense. I really love <laughs> what you said, more inclusive than ex exclusive. That's really clever. Hmm. And I mean, it's and it just fits that whole entire idea and vision. If it's Hedera, just yeah. the, the way is. the ecosystem is set up, it's perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, that that's one of our strengths as well is that we don't have like a lot of uh, exclusive partnerships or things like that where you can only use this wallet with this platform or this NFT on this website. Like you can only sell your, your NFT on this marketplace and not that one. Like we've worked really hard to make it so that all of the all the wallets have like equal opportunity to interact with all of these uh, like NFT marketplaces and all of the NFT marketplaces can see all of the NFTs. Like there's like a standard now that, um, that all NFTs follow so that if you want to start your own marketplace or you want to uh, launch your own launchpad, you can, because it's all there and you can just do it and then you're compatible. Right. So I think that that's really something that I want to stress uh, going forward and, and try to keep everybody happy and, uh, and working together. So. You said it best. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. I mean, I have no other questions, Corbin. If you have some, by all means. Did we already ask about the, the high volume times? Uh, no, I don't believe we actually have. Okay. So, so another, I, I think this is probably going to end up being the last question, but I know a lot of people 
complain when when Hashpack unfortunately does go down during oh, yeah. these these large these large like especially like like for instance like hangry barboons that mint yeah. was ridiculously Crazy. huge huge and everybody's like why is Hashpack down I'm like guys it's like a five man team chill yeah. <laughs> but what what can be done as time goes on to sort of increase the amount of influx that the the hashpack infrastructure can withstand oh well on the one hand it's already been done but basically the way that it the it was, it was a complicated thing where um let's let's rewind back to like early summer when we're really starting to see a lot of volume start picking up and a lot of these big launches came out on turtle moon tools mm -hmm. so i think there was the dead pixel launch that actually like shut down the hashpack service for the first time. Um, that was crazy. Like there were just so many people logging in. It was, it was higher than we'd ever seen it before and instantaneous. So basically we got DDoSed by the community. Um, and, and that was crazy. Uh, and so rather, so I think that that mint took eight minutes to sell out. And part of that was just like hashpack getting unresponsive and stuff. But I would say that, um, it wasn't just us because some of it was the mirror nodes also not functioning properly because of the loads. Um, and some of it was on Turtle Moon tools as well, where they had to fix some bugs. Um, and some of it was on us as well, where we were like, uh, like, for example, one of the things we did was do a bunch of queries to the mirror node and we had to like uh, get all of the NFTs uh, at like one by one or all of the fungible token uh, information. And that was a lot of load onto the mirror nodes. Uh, so we, so one of the things we did was really streamline our calls to the mirror nodes and also buff up our, uh, our servers. And actually we did buff up our service for the dead pixels launch and it went over what we expected and we crashed, uh, which is the first time, like even, even before that there were bigger and bigger mints and we never crashed. We just lagged. Uh, but, but on the dead pixels ones, we crashed. And then we knew that only a few weeks after the dead pixels launch, there was the hangry launch. And that was going to be like three or four times the size. And that was, that was going to be crazy. Um, and so we actually contracted someone from the community who is a really amazing, uh, amazing developer. Uh, and also like an elite one at like one of the big, big development companies, which I won't name, but we contracted him to, to set up the scaling solution on our, on our servers. And we also talked with, um, Ledgerworks, who is our mirror node solution. And they also like bolstered their systems. And like each time they had to like bump it up. I think that hangry barboons ended up being 10 times the amount of traffic as dead pixels. <laughs> Yeah, Whoa. it was nuts. It was nuts. It was crazy. That is nuts. <laughs> um, but I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did 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 Hangry like did Hangry um, have issues? Because I think we solved actually a lot of them for the Hangry launch during All public. Yeah, yeah. During the public. Turtle Moon tools. Yeah, it it was at four forty four. Everything was like everything was, like, everything was yeah, getting DDoS. Everything was it was just bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I think that after that, we actually uh, we actually solved a lot of those things. And also Turtle Moon Tools, every single time they fixed a bunch of stuff. And so I think the service has gotten, been getting better and better and better. Um, and right now our our servers should be able to handle all of that. Like we, we really like 
put in a lot of effort into scaling it up and doing that. So um, I'm going to like say it right now that I think that we're good, at least on Hashback side, for future launches, even if they're huge. So we'll see. Uh, and feel free to like make me eat my words if that happens. But like uh, we did put a lot of effort into making this like a enterprise grade scalable solution. So hopefully in the future, when we have bigger and bigger mints, it will just be easy. This will be like a thing of the past where we didn't even we don't even remember how it was. That was just the old days, you know. And and going forward, everything just works like a charm. So you know yeah. we're we're working really hard to improve our systems and make things good but i think people don't realize like the scale of how big dead pixels was and then how big hangry was after that it was crazy so um like it really i and, and i think that that's another thing that people also should understand too is as the ecosystem scales like the platforms are built to withstand the uh the traffic that goes through them so if we see like gigantic huge mints and a lot of hype around something that we've never ever seen before on the ecosystem then th probably things are going to struggle because you don't build out um an aircraft carrier if you're normally just like running a tugboat kind of thing you know um yeah. so as as the ecosystem grows as uh, projects get bigger as hype grows up on Hedera, all the projects will just rise up and get better and better. Um, and if they can't, then they will sink, right? Um, the, the good ones will stay up and and everybody's user experience will get better, I think, going forward. So yeah, I think it's it's been a fun ride as we learn to scale and as the ecosystem scales. And I hope that we, we do a, even more going up into 2023. I love it. Sink or swim. That's what it comes down to with NFT projects these days. And I think yeah, that was yeah. a great note to end on. Mm -hmm. Thank you once again, May, for everything that you've provided towards the Hedera community. Thank you for everything you've provided with Hashback Wallet and as well as your team. And we look forward to everything that you guys have to build out for the end of 2022 and the years to come. Yeah, thanks very much. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Alt Kings Podcast, and we will see you next episode. Peace. That was amazing.